have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I am your host, as always, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing me say that every episode, Derek Carey, because the voice that starts off my my little spiel at the beginning always says, and now the host, Derek Carey, well, I'm just going to be redundant and say it all over again. Uh, Tonight, fine fans of cult cinema, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to your hearts. If you you grew up like I did, and we're obsessed with MST3K, the way my brother Shane that I talk about all the time on this show and I were, we grew up watching really shitty movies on <laughs> Comedy Central uh, through MST3K. And uh, one of the most infamous episodes was the one about Manos Hands of Fate. Now, we aren't particularly talking about Manos Hands of Fate tonight, but we are going to talk about an offshoot, a new stage production that's been going around in the Pacific Northwest called Manos Hands of Felt. Hands of Felt. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's Manos Hands of Fate done with puppets. So here tonight, I have one of the principal creators of Manos Hands of Felt. Rachel, you want to say hi to everyone in Astro Radio Zealand and kind of give us a little introduction as to who you are and why Manos Hands of Fate? Ooh, that, that's always a good question, isn't it? Hi, everyone. Um, this is Rachel talking here. And uh, well, like you, I, I grew up watching MST3K. Um, there was uh, actually a guy I dated in high school introduced me to it. Um, and, and fortunately, you know, my, my love of the show outlasted the relationship by, um, <laughs> let's see, uh, how long ago was that? was 20 years ago, and we dated for two months. So, you know, by uh, <laughs> some sort of factor of, of 10 or, or more. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I loved MST3K, and Manos is one of the movies that I remember watching Um Oh golly, way back when it was being broadcast on Comedy Central. Um, so, so that stuck in my head. Um, and and I'm a puppeteer. Um, and I, I create puppet shows. I build puppets on commission for other people. All that fun stuff. Um, and so, so one one night, uh, Manos and puppets kind of just slammed together in my brain. And and the title, uh, Manos: The Hands of Felt, came first. Um, and so it just uh, took on a life of its own in my brain, and it, it demanded to be created. <laughs> it it forced its way into existence. Yes, yes. Manos decreed it, and so obviously I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the master would approve. Yes, he does. He, I have my master puppet, so if I if I need approval on something, he's he's way better than a magic eight ball because there are really only two options: he either approves or he is very. Or he disturbed. doesn't approve. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, he's very disturbed. <laughs> Well, one thing that, that's really interesting about the production that you guys have um, is that, one, you guys decided to film this thing, and now you kind of have this companion piece with Manos Hands of Fate where you have a puppet version, kind of right. <laughs> not, not unlike Meet the Feebles, but a little different, um, where uh, you guys recreate Manos, but also kind of have a little bit of a meta take. On yes. it, um, do you kind of want to talk about what Manos Hands of Felt is? Sure, sure. Um, so, so yeah, like I said, the title came first um, because I was just riffing and I looked down and saw my Manos, the Hands of Fate um, DVD cover and it kind of just exploded. Um, and so I was starting to chew on the project um, and I, I was talking to my bandmate about it um, in the, we always, we always have a sort of check-in session before we start um, actually playing music and singing and stuff. And I was talking about this thing I was working on. And at the time I was chewing on, do I just do a straight up version of Manos, the Hands of Fate with puppets? Or do I like try to combine it with the making of and some other interesting stuff um, to make it something a little more my own. And, and so I talked a lot about it and my bandmate said, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, 
but I'm going to observe that in this conversation, you've talked way more about how crazy the backstory behind the movie is than you have mm-hmm. about the movie itself. He's like, so I know you're worried about overcomplicating it because you, because I do, I worry about that because I, I tend to overcomplicate things if I don't <laughs> rein myself in. So um, he said, it was very clear that you're more interested in the craziness of how this movie got made. He's like, so if you could go that direction, I think it will be better because that seems to be where your, your heart actually is. Well, um, and also, I think if you you were to just go about the route of just recreating Manos, yeah. let's let's both be honest. That movie's <laughs> boring as shit. So, yes. so I think people, will, you have to do yes. something in order to engage that audience. And you, you have by pulling out in scenes and having one of the characters be the cameraman, right? And then you've integrated the music. Uh, that's actually in the film as almost as if Manos was a musical. Right. And, right. and you have dance routines <laughs> in the movie. So, uh, so I, I think, you know, there's enough, there's, there's been this kind of revival thing where a lot of these, well, it's, I can't believe I'm going to say Manos is a classic. I know. Genre. Right. <laughs> but, but where there's been these movies that are staples of the genre, like evil dead and the reanimator and, and, and the toxic Avenger for Christ's sake has a, right. has a, musical now where they've had to pull out and do something different to differentiate themselves. Was that something that you felt that you, you needed to do creatively to try and, and uh, have people like be engaged in this, this picture? Um, not, not really. Um, because when, when I lived in St. Louis, uh, right after college, um, I was involved with a a theater troupe called magic smoking monkey theater. Mm -hmm. Um, and the whole thing they did was they took, uh, B movies and old television shows and created live versions of them. And there was very little, um, huh monkeying around. Yes. Pun acknowledged, (laughs) uh, pre-acknowledged. Yeah. Um, (laughs) they generally did a straight up version of it and didn't add much to it. Um, and so, so if I had decided to go that way, I would have been fairly comfortable with that choice. But I think what I did instead is way more fun. Um, Cause well, like you said, um, if we just straight up did the movie with puppets, it would not be, I've, I've had one or two people out in the swamps of internet land um, that, that don't like what I made. And they're like, Oh, you should have just done it straight up. It's like, that would have been, boring and about 30 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's almost no dialogue in that movie if you or rather less than half of the movie is dialogue if you if you actually cut down the soundtrack, which I've done. Um, <laughs> and the I've driving sequences? <laughs> yes, yes, count the driving sequences and just all the scenes where music plays while people look at each other. Yep. Um, it's it, on my on my YouTube channel there's I did a, a straight up recreation with puppets of of the um oh golly is, oh, when Torgo says, I don't know about it, I just don't know. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's half of it is Torgo saying that, and the rest of it is people looking at each other intensely <laughs> while the music plays. And, um, yeah, so, so it, wasn't, it wasn't that I felt like I had to to make it interesting, um, but I will say as a choice, I think it's much stronger because I got to put more of my weirdness into it. Mm-hmm, totally. um, and it's more of a stew of a bunch of pop culture references this way, which I like. Um, the, and the fact that, yeah, we could have dance numbers and um, we could make the fight sequence into a, a nod at the Muppet Show's ballroom segments. And <laughs> it, it's, it's almost like a Venture Brothers episode in, totally. in the levels of other things that are referenced at various points in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Venture Brothers was also an inspiration, believe it or not. It's not like directly referenced. It's just they play fast and loose with the number of things from pop culture that they pull into every one of their episodes so i definitely um yeah i bounced off of that as as much as i did manos i would say one of the things that that struck me right off the bat was how damn close the guy you got to play uh, <laughs> torgo was to, uh, yeah. to the his voice was dead on was dead yeah. on yeah, I I love I love what he did for us, and yeah, he he did he just he did a lot of studying and a lot of listening to it, and yeah, I love watching what he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, it's great. I was uh, we we had a, a shooting day, Dave, 
a couple of years ago when we we did as part of the Kickstarter um, perks, we had a day where we did a, a studio audience rap party and we also shot for several hours that day. And there was one point where everyone was complimenting him on his Torgo noises and then everyone decided to do. So we wound up with like a minute solid of, of all the other actors and the cast and everyone going. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love that. That's Paul Velasquez. And I yeah, I love he did a beautiful job building the Torgo puppet. Um, he built that. And he, yeah, I agree. I think his voice is just dead on. And, and the amount of, of physical work he had to put in to keep the shakes going the whole mm-hmm. time. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he was, he was drenched with sweat at the end of every show. Speaking, speaking of the actors that were actually involved in the production. Now were the va- were the majority of them just seasoned actors that were like theater actors that came in and you, you taught them the craft of puppeteering or were they involved with puppeteering beforehand? I would say we were uh, about half and half. Uh, myself, Paul, and um, San Hall, um, she played, uh, her most notable character is the first wife, the, the wife that gets tied to the, the column. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all puppeteers. We build puppets. And so we're all, we're all fairly knowledgeable um, and had experience. Um, and then the other three actors are experienced stage actors that we had to teach puppeteering to. Now, how hard was that? Not that hard. I've noticed that, that when actors um, are, are physically comfortable, that they take to puppeteering more quickly, sure. which is nice. And they're all three really good physical actors. Um, I will say the, the biggest difference for them compared to the, the more experienced puppeteers is that they had more trouble remembering their lines when their puppet was on their hand. Like was it for, because they were worried, more worried about the ticks of the puppet and trying to get head, the head to do to seem real and, and things of that nature that they were just completely flubbing their lines at that point? Well, it was actually it was more where the muscle memory was because sure. they've been running their lines with their human mouth and not with their hand moving. And oh, so sure. something about wiggling their hand, not wiggling, oh, boy, I didn't, <laughs> um, moving their hand <laughs> at the same time uh, was kind of a, a mental physical disconnect that they said made it a lot harder to hold on to their lines, um, which was really, really an interesting thing. So, yeah, so if if I do something like this again and train new puppeteers, there would probably be a level of, hey, you should run your lines while moving your hand. I know that sounds silly, but it's going to make you happier eventually. Did you give them kind of dummy puppets to sit and practice with? I did, yes. How in-depth is the process of creating all of those puppets? Because they all, while they, they look, they have the likenesses of the characters within the film, they also are very Muppet-like. Like, yes. There's definite, like, influence from Jim Henson and the Muppet Show within that. So how how in depth the process was that? Did you you said that what the, the guy that was Torgo he mm-hmm. created his? Did you create yes. all the rest of them? No, not all the rest of them. Um, uh, yeah, there was there is that was part of the casting. Um, I was I, I made a point of casting puppeteers who were also builders as well as talented performers. Um, so, so San and Paul and I split um, the, the duties of building all of, all of the puppets. Um, so thank goodness. Cause yeah, it's, they take a long time to build. And so it, it, if I had to do all of them, it, you know, the show wouldn't be up yet. I imagine <laughs> I would still be working on it. Um, but we, yeah, we very much on purpose chose the Muppet style. Um, I mean, a of all, we all love we love Muppets. Um, right. we, Muppets taught us all to read, um, you know. So so we we all love them, and we feel like it's kind of a shortcut to the audience. They love Muppets too. Most of them, if they're you know if they if you were raised in America, you know the Muppets, you love them. So it's a style that people take to really quickly, you know. Plus, you know, Avenue Q existed, and and we'd seen that that worked for them really well, because um, because we all love, we all love Avenue Q, and so so yeah, we definitely wanted to make them very Muppety on purpose. And then it was yes, how to make them Muppety, but also make some of them look as much like the character in the movie as we could. Um, obviously, we didn't do that with every single character, but but certain ones we picked out to to try to recreate them as as closely as we could manage in in Muppety style. Right, right, right. So there was a couple of uh, points in, in the film that that uh, just just as a fan of the original film that that floored me was uh, the kissing puppets. 
the, the, the younger couple that had the one scene in the film where they're, they're just making out like crazy and the cop right. shows up like, you got to get out of here. Okay. A complete pointless <laughs> scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you have it be this recurring thing throughout the entire thing. And, and that puppet is actually two puppets put together with two, two actors. Basically, well, one, each of them are playing the opposite gender. Right, right. <laughs> and then they're, they're kind of like mashed together because it's one puppet. Now, yes. what, what was the decision-making process behind making that puppet? And I got to tell you, one of the funniest things in the entire film. Oh, yay. I'm, I'm so glad. Um, yeah, I loved those scenes. Um, I mean, it started off with the the whole phrase. Well, first of all, yeah, those scenes in the movie are just ridiculous. There's no point to their being there except to make the movie longer, I think. Right. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and so what, what kind of occurred to me was the phrase joined at the hip, which, you know, you say for really young people who are dating or, or even older people who are dating like early on in the relationship. Um, so, so I thought having it as a two headed monster would make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> so they're actually attached. They are, they're literally right. attached to each other and they each only have one free hand to grope each other with. Yay. <laughs> Um, so I threw that idea at Paul. Um, he was in the, the original production um, and he, he texted me one day and he said, you know, I would really love if I could sort of make them even more look like a couple of uh, beloved Henson Muppets, uh, like to bounce off of that harder. And, right. and I'm, I'm like, sure, go for it. Um, so, so it was a combination of the two headed puppet was for me and then he got inspired for the visual aesthetic. And then honestly, in our show, Besides that it, they need to be there because they're in the movie. Um, the purpose they serve is to like give you a break between scenes. Totally. Um, because otherwise Hal would be on stage the entire time and whoever had the misfortune of being playing Hal would be dead by the end of the show. You know? like you, right. I don't know if you noticed, ideally you don't notice the puppeteers too much, but if, if you watched it again, looking at the puppeteers specifically, the guy who plays Hal is not in any of those scenes. And that was on purpose to give that person a break because sure. their arm would be really dead um, by the end of a 70 minute show if, if they didn't get to step off stage for a little while. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, was there, as I kind of alluded to, was there a subtextual thing with having uh, the male groping puppet be played by a female cast member and the female cast member being played by a male? Not so much, actually. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Like, I I did not really do that part on purpose. No. Ah, interesting. Uh, Very interesting. So I'm guessing this wasn't just a one-time thing. You, have you guys mostly stick, stuck around the Seattle area um, doing this show? Yes. Um, so so far, we've only performed it live in Seattle. We would, would both um, in independent runs at various theaters and also at uh, Bumbershoot, the, which is... Oh, sure. Yeah, you're from here. You know that. <laughs> Bumbershoot, the, the music festival out here. We, we played on the theater stage there the first year that we, we performed it, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, ain't no audience like a Bumbershoot audience, man. Oh, no doubt. The only downside, hilariously, was that... Um, if there are puppets, people think it's for children, no matter how repeatedly and strongly you tell them that it is not so. So several people brought babies and children in, and those people mostly left after not very long because it's, it's not even that it's really bad for children until you get to the one scene where all the swearing happens. It's just, it's boring for kids. It's not, as we said, Manos original is kind of a dull movie and there's only so much you're, you know, it's the level that the humor's working on is not really for babies and toddlers. Well, also the, the, the sequences in which Torgo is getting pleasured. Um, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Oh my God. Yeah. That got longer every night. That was, oh man. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> made me both really happy and uncomfortable to watch that. <laughs> now, how, how did that come up? Was it that just one of those things where people, the, the cast members were just like having so much fun with it? They're deciding, okay, let's see how uncomfortable we can make this. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, he. I think. I think it came out at first in rehearsal, and um, the director, um, who I'm, I'm married to him actually, so that makes it easy to talk about things. But he he told him he's like, push it, push it as long as I will tell you if it goes on too long. Um, and and it never got to a point where the audience, you know, wasn't laughing hysterically slash uncomfortably at it. So right. so yeah, it was just sort of a stretch. And as long as how long can you do that? <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially at the end of his song. That's that's when the the longest sort of most uncomfortable Torgo Torgo being happy and <laughs> soothing himself. I don't yeah, I don't know the best way to put that <laughs> sequence comes. Soothing himself. Now there's soothing himself, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not something you, you kind of figured watching Man of Sands of Fate, you would finally see Torgo. Yes. Actually getting some happiness. Yes. Life. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it seems how the director is your partner? Mm-hmm. How what was the, the genesis of it just being a stage production until you guys decided we need to film this and put this out there? Well, it started as a stage production just because I'm a theater person. So mm-hmm. so when I think that's that is the genre I think in um, from the start. Um, so, so I approached him to direct it because I know he directs. And, and like I said, we, we live together. So we, we mesh well together artistically. We don't, you know, I don't have to explain my weirdness too much. He pretty much gets it. And I, mm-hmm. I trust him to make the decisions. So I don't go all playwright crazy. Like you, you know, you do sometimes if you don't trust the director fully. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it started as a stage show. The, the movie came about in, in a really fun way, actually. Um, the first run we did of it was in 2011, and um, the husband of one of the people who was in that cast uh, one night came and videotaped it with, with permission, of course. He asked sure. if he could, and I'm like, yeah, totally. And he threw a couple clips up on YouTube. Again, he asked permission, so it was all cool. And, you know, we're theater people. We're used to, you do a show, and and that's pretty much it. It was so popular, I thought maybe someday I'd remount it. But, yeah, that was just sort of back of my head thing. And then the next summer, it was the so much fun. Um, and a different original cast member um, texted me and said, oh my God, we're on Topless Robot. Manos is on Topless Robot. Go to Topless Robot right now, um, which is, you know, a geek site. And yeah, sure enough, they had found the clips on YouTube and and gave it some awesome headline, like, a hero has made a Manos puppet musical. <laughs> Rejoice. Um and I'm like, well, that is the nicest thing anyone's going to ever say about me. Um, and so it, it circled around the geek internet press for a while. Like it got on the Mary Sue and and it bounced around. And there seemed to be what seemed to be a lot of people saying, oh, my God, I need to see this. How can I see this? Oh, my God. Toured my show, toured, toured the show to my town and stuff like that. So I was looking at what appeared to be a demand, which is awesome. Again, you do theater, you're not used to there being a lot of demand for your work. It's right, just right, right. Sad, but true. And so I, I said, okay, I could try touring this or I could film it. Those would be two ways to make it available to more people. And it, it basically came down to, I have a bunch of friends who do film. I don't have any friends or didn't at the time. I do now. I didn't have any friends at the time who knew how to tour. So I said, okay, this one seems more doable. Then that's when um, Kickstarter got involved, which which was a really great experience or rather when I got a Kickstarter project going. Sure. And, yeah. and what was what were you trying to raise funds for with the Kickstarter? Uh, the Kickstarter was purely for the movie portion of it. I, I didn't want it to happen. And you're, you're a filmmaker, and I'm sure you know how what goes on here. Um, I didn't want to go to the expense of making the movie and then wind up with big boxes of DVDs just rotting in my garage. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I with with the crowd, crowdfunding thing, um, my favorite projects are the ones that basically treat it as a, a pre-buy of the movie. Yep. Um, with, you know, with some crazy fun perks, just in case there's a rich person who happens by and wants to drop $2,000 on your project, you know, you put those out there just in case, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in case Bill Gates is drunk one night and is like, hey, yeah, manners with puppets. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're hoping that he's doing a drunk buy, a drunk person. Right. Right. Exactly. Because he could do that and never regret it. Cause Absolutely. But yeah, so I was treating it as a, hey, if these people are serious about wanting this, then they will pre-buy it. And yeah, put then, your money where their mouth is. Exactly. Um, and I figured if the Kickstarter project failed, that would just mean this is not a good idea because you will wind up with boxes of DVDs rotting in your garage, being handed down to your great nieces and nephews. And, you know. Absolutely. Well, it's a good yeah. perspective to take for it because I think, and sometimes those Kickstarters kind of backfire on people. The What you're doing, you already have a prepackaged product that you've already mm-hmm. stage tested. You've already gone through it. So all you had to do was essentially set up a time that you could sit and film it properly and then put it together. Unlike some films that they do these Kickstarters and it takes them years 
in order to make this film, even with the budgets that they get and people get soured to it. So you, you kind of had something where you already had a demand, right? Let's, let's just get, get to it. Now, were you, did you make new puppets specifically for the film? Uh, some of them? Yes. Um, because the first run we did, we, 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 the Torgo and the, the makeout couple and the master puppet were, were all made for the original production. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, we just kind of, took puppets that we had and put them in different clothes and, and just kind of made it work. Sure. Um, but yes, part of a second part of the drive um, with the Kickstarter funding was like, Hey, we're going to fund this and film it so that it is available forever and ever. Let's make these puppets look really good. And so, so yeah, the only two exceptions are the ladies at the end that, that show up in the movie as the, oh, sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> um, la la la. Yeah, um, yeah. Wait, the, wait five seconds. People right. fast forward. Us through. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> go for it. Um, so the two ladies that show up in the last scene of Manos who, who are driving to a mysterious vacation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's when you find out that, oh, Valley Lodge, it, it's repeating, it's going on and on. Dun, um, dun, dun. Right. Those two puppets were just puppets we had because we, we built so many puppets at that point. We're like, just put them in some appropriate clothing. No one, <laughs> they're on, they're on stage for a minute. No right. one cares. Yeah. Um, but the rest of them, the rest of the puppets in the movie were built for um the movie yes which is great because then i could i could the the ones that i'm happiest with we we built the hal puppet Uh specifically for the movie and he's gorgeous paul did that he's his work is just so awesome i love him um and i built the debbie puppet um specific the debbie and the the devil dog puppet specifically for the movie and i i think they turned out super cute they're they're my favorite puppets yeah Yeah. devil dog's super cute yeah he's the cutest little demon puppy Um, so, an, another one of the, the characters I thought were super funny, not to completely sidetrack this conversation. Oh, no, that's cool. Was the fact that you made the family's dog a person <laughs> playing a dog. Yes. <laughs> what was up with that? Okay, that... That is a deep inside joke um, that that only I think ten people in the world would care about. But fortunately, it works without knowing that. But um, there is a, a play that I helped co-produce the year before we did Manos, where there was a character um, Donald who gets eaten by a dog early on in it. And so I thought it would be hilarious uh, since there was a dog in the movie. Um, I thought it would be funny to me if that same character like always got killed by a dog. Like if I had some vision of every play we do, Donald will be in it if only for a few moments and he'll get killed somehow horribly, <laughs> probably by a dog. So, so you know, given the whole, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the original Manos, you know, there's the, the family dog gets killed by a dog or kind or we're never really sure what what kills the family dog honestly maybe he gets bored of the movie and just dies of uh, let's boredom. go with I that yes he drops out of boredom so so yes that's we that's why that character is there and and people wound up really liking him because which doesn't surprise me he's, he's a little cute character so sure, sure. and that so, dog outfit is an actual toddler dog costume <laughs> yep. so well you didn't have to go to you didn't have to create that one that's nice nope nope it's well i mean the puppet we met we built but yeah the it's a uh, toddler clothes fit puppets it's kind of great it's, it makes shopping a little awkward um when you're actually around people with real children but, but yeah toddler clothes fit puppets really well so so i i can i can i'm envisioning this right now you walk into a toddler's yep. <laughs> with a puppet and yep. you're moving this puppet inside of the clothes yep yep okay so now i i have a follow-up question <laughs> How many stores have I been kicked out of? <laughs> well, that is one. <laughs> and two, of another filmmaker friend of mine, Dustin Wade Mills, he, he's known for, he's made a couple um, puppet films now, uh, one called The Puppet Monster Mas- Massacre, in which it's, it's kind of, like I said before, like Meet the Feebles and, and the Muppets and stuff like this, where it's completely all green screen with, with all puppet actors. And after he had made this, he he did not know the extent of um, how do I how do I put this as PC as possible <laughs> the puppet people culture yes <laughs> I, I'm trying to do this as, as nicely as possible. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> are we freaks and jerks? Is that where you're were going? You, were, were, you, were you then looked at like you were perverts walking into <laughs> these places <laughs> doing this? Because that's oh. the impression that I got from him is that these people, and, and not the people that actually sit and do productions like this, but the right. really like hardcore puppet freaks. Mm-hmm. Like, I suppose like any other, God, I am dancing around this like you wouldn't believe right now. <laughs> or, or can you say what you were trying to say? Or is it, is it too? Have you, have you, did, did you get one looked, looked at like, like you were, like you were a furry? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Uh, no. Hilariously, no. Um, I, I think I'm helped by the fact that I'm a girl. Um, so we just automatically seem less threatening in those considerations. Um, so, well, plus, I mean, I was mostly shopping for just, you know, a dog costume or a button-up shirt or something sure, like that. Sure, so sure, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not quite as weird. But I, I will admit um, that, that Paul has said he does not like to take the puppet toddler shopping with him because he, he's afraid of the looks he would get. So, sure. so yeah. Um, yeah, I... I can, can I be honest? I have never personally that I know of met someone who's a furry with a puppet. It probably has its own name. Um, I'm, so, sure, I'm, know, sure I'm sure it, it does. exists because everything exists. But everything, I, now that we've yeah. said it, it exists. Yes, it's cool, right. <laughs> Puppetfurries.com. Puppetfurries.com. Well, I, I mean, I have run into people that walk around just in broad daylight with a puppet. Yeah, I've seen that. That's that's yes. in reality out there now. Yeah. Through, through this, have you with a movie? Have you seen some of that come out, or has that never been in your consciousness, or you've never crossed paths with that kind of thing? Blech. I try not to be that kind of puppeteer personally, um, just because I had an early mentor who who kind of advised me against just walking around with a puppet on random Thursday for no particular reason. I have not had a chance to interact a whole lot with the people watching this movie in real life. Hmm. Um, it's, it's only had one screening um, that, that I actually got to go to and talk to people at, and I did not notice anyone with a puppet there. I also... <laughs> <laughs> you have the fans now that's going to be the new rocky horror right, picture show right, element right. of man of hands of fellows people are going to show up with the characters that would be awesome if that starts happening i really want to know about it that would make <laughs> me so happy um but but yeah i have to say that most of the people i encounter for this movie are more monos fans than puppet fans you I know because it's I, I think that's what brings more people to the table um although i should add that paul who plays torgo i i met him at our previous show because he brought a puppet to the theater with him which Uh-oh. i thought was really yeah i thought that but i don't think he does he would have done that like if the show hadn't been a puppet show so, right, right, so right, i right, think right. i think it's more just pu- like calls to like in that case <laughs> <laughs> we we will just take for granted that he isn't he isn't a pervert I'm sh- no, well, not in that way. <laughs> Honestly, that's why I take the puppet shopping because I, I personally think it's weirder if I lay out a bunch of toddler clothes of varying sizes as if I don't know what size my kid is. I, I actually feel like <laughs> taking the puppet and putting the outfit on it is a clearer explanation of what I'm up to. And, I, you know, I can just be like, I don't know how to make clothes, so... I have to buy these. There right, right. I can make a puppet, but not a shirt. <laughs> That's sad, but true. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, you pick Manos Hands of Fate. Right. You're a huge cult movie fan. What's what's probably seems how now we live in the the era of the ironic cult movie, shitty movie, you know, <laughs> fandom. Everyone out there loves, you know, Manos Hands of Fate because of MST3K and Rift Tracks and all this stuff. Right. What what is your ultimate favorite low grade shitty B movie? Oh, oh, um, wow. There there are a few. Um, well, I I love Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yes. Um, and I will always I got to be in a live stage version of that back when oh, that's that, awesome. Yeah, I got to play the female alien. Um, <laughs> and I, I loved doing that. Plus, it gave me one of my favorite moments on stage, like basically ever in my life. So that um, th- I will always be fond of that one. Um, basically, one night when the two, the, us, the two aliens we entered, the audience went crazy for like a solid minute and stopped the show. And all we had done was walk on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, thank, okay, yes, I like this. 
but yeah, I like I like what Ed Wood was. You know, he he was not very capable, but I liked what he was trying to do. You know, well, he had a passion, and that's the yeah. thing about these these kind exactly. of movies where when I hear people and and I'm victim of it myself, I just called it a shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> They've always labeled, you know, Plan 9 and Manos and um, Troll 2 as being like the worst movies of all time. And I right. I feel that's a real disservice to them and a disservice to that kind of cinema in general, because are you having a good time while you're watching it? If the answer is yes and you're finding enjoyment out of it, it's not a shitty movie. Right. A shitty movie is one that you're indifferent about, that you're bored about and that you forget immediately upon watching it. Right, it's right. Cinema, not stuff like Plan 9 or like Manos, where you're actively a participant in it. You're laughing. You're goofing with it. There's mm-hmm. something enjoy. Why do you think these movies have endured? Do you feel that way? I do. I do. And I, I'm reminded of um, back at MST3K, I read some some interview they did. I don't even remember what, what newspaper. And, and someone asked them, you know, what's, what, what's the key to making a bad movie? And, and one of them said, well, first of all, you have to really believe in your heart that you're making a good movie. Right. That's very important. And, and so I, I agree with you. It's, I think, I think these, these bad movies, and I mean, they are bad on, on so many of the levels. And yet, as you say, they're also entertaining and they're, they're sort of sweet in their horribleness Mm -hmm. and they're not ironic in their, you know, I would compare them. You can compare them as I think you were getting at with like Transformers three, which is, has so much money and beautiful special effects and is kind of, you know, a total piece of crap as far as do you give a shit about any of this? No, nope. you don't. Um, you're, you're bored. You, you fall asleep watching it. Um, and then there's also this, this new wish genre of purposefully bad movies being done ironically, which don't really work for me either because again, they don't have a lot of heart behind them. Well, there's a lot of cynicism. To yeah. Them. Yeah, exactly. So I'd I'd rather watch some of the classic old stuff that that is just yeah. Their heart was really in it. They really thought that they were they were making movie history. Um, you you just feel like that that was being said on on the lot at some point. You know, like we're making history here, people. Come on. Well, especially um, with Manos. I mean, the yeah. story, Maybe maybe you want to. <laughs> you probably know it a lot better than I do. I'm familiar with the backstory of how Manos Hands of Fate was made, and uh, but uh, there is so there there is desperation. <laughs> And, and aspirations and dreams that are trying to be fulfilled by making these, especially with Ed Wood movies. I mean, right. Ed Wood was nothing but a dude that had a pie-in-the-sky dream that he just wanted to make these movies and tell these stories. He just had, one, no budget to be able to do them, and two, could never find the resources <laughs> Right. And, and didn't have the patience to do them correctly. Right, right. Had had maybe a questionable taste level um, right. as far as, yeah, not knowing. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, and then that's the whole Hal Warren thing with Manos that he made this on a bet. That's, <laughs> that's the mythos. I don't, I don't know if that is actually true, but, but the, the story um, is that, yeah, that um, Sterling Siliphant, Mm-hmm. Who who was a writer for um gosh was it Route sixty six? The- yeah, it sounds correct. Yeah. Okay, and I I know in the heat of the night is this other huge thing that people would know, and supposedly yeah the 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 story goes that he was out scouting locations for Route sixty six, and Hal Warren met him at a bar, and basically bet him that he could make a movie. Like, like, and then wrote the script on a napkin right there, the outline of the script on a napkin right there. And hell, it could have been the whole damn script because right. it's, really, it's not a long script. Yeah, there's nothing um, much to it. <laughs> no, 35 out of 70 minutes and half of those lines are said at least twice. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that the, the myth is that he made it on a bet. And the thing is, he is owed that money um, because he did, in fact, actually make a movie. And that that is the most amazing part to me. Um, that he actually pulled it off, got a screening, and had something that existed to the point that it even, you know, could be rediscovered, what was it, wasn't 20, it, 30 years later. Wasn't it lost for a good number of years? Because it's only ever had, like, a couple prints that were available. Yeah, yeah. That, my understanding is that it was lost for a really long time because because it wasn't very good. So, you know, who who was keeping track of it? Right, correct. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was. Oh, golly, they're really. Yeah, they're the real, really crappy version. I mean, you've seen it, so yeah. The the what what was out there was really bad, and and yeah, I I've I've read how the MST three K guys got a hold of it, but I don't remember the story right now. Um, and and so yeah, I think I from what I understand, it was lost for a really long time. Um, lost, I guess, implying that anyone wanted to find it, but you right. Know. <laughs> It was probably one of those things or I don't remember what the story, I remember hearing it, what uh, the MST3K guys had to do in order to get it. Maybe it was something that that ran on like a syndicated channel or something like that, or yeah. I don't quite remember it, but I know that there's been, uh, there was a Kickstarter probably about three or four yes. years ago where they, they were finding it for a restoration for an HD 4K restoration of it. And uh, they did the, they got the funding and I don't know what's – I think they've screened it at the Alamo Draft House or something happened where they've they've restored it now, but it, it was a long, arduous process. Yes, yes. They they have restored it because I saw a screening of it in Seattle, actually. Oh, you um, did? Yeah, yeah. They brought it here the same week, week that we opened um, the second run of Manos, uh, the one that we filmed. So it was a really – it was awesome timing. Um, we Yeah, we, we came and did a quick scene for Manos, and then we stayed and watched the restored um, version at the screening. Um, so how I, was it? It well, – well, it does not make the movie any better. Um <laughs> And I think some people were actually literally afraid of that happening. Like, like you get, if you, again, out in the swamps of the internet, you, you get um, some people commenting like, Oh no, don't, don't restore it. Don't make it HD. It's like, Whoa, calm down. None of that affects the script. No, nope. not. Yeah. The movie's still the same. Yes. Um, the big differences to me um, were one, you, you get some extra bonus badness. Like um, um, there's the, you know, the scene with the flaming hand. Yes. Um, there you can now see, thanks to the clarity of the restoration, you can see uh, the gas can sitting at the base of one of the columns. Yeah, it's just like, well, all right, that's that's new and delightful. Um, right. And the other thing for me that I thought was beautiful about the restoration um, is that now that you can see it clearly, you can watch the bad acting decisions on people's faces a lot more clearly than you could see them before. Mm. Like, like they're working hard. Those actors were working their butts off and they, they just didn't have anyone to uh, rein them in when needed or, you know, let them get them all in the same movie. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really pretty. And I, I've been hearing that the, the Blu-ray is actually coming out this October. I've been oh, seeing that around. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I will buy myself a copy. Cause I, I mean, you know, to add to my collection, not, not that I need to watch Manos any more times <laughs> in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Um, I think 20 times at this point. So <laughs> that's, that's more than like as a break, I would let myself watch the MST three K or riff tracks version just to like, to clean out my brain a little bit. Um, well, you have to, you absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah. There's, there's so much. So yeah. So that eventually that has finally gotten, yeah, you're right. Long and arduous process, but I, I think the restoration is going to be out soon. So I can't wait. Cause I've been yeah. following their Facebook uh, group and they've just been releasing stills mm -hmm. from there. And I've just yeah. been, I hate to say the salivating to finally find <laughs> right. this completely awful movie. Exactly. <laughs> see all them extra pixels. Um. Yeah. See, see every iota of the badness. Yes. Yeah. Let beautiful it seep color. into my ocular cavities at yes. uh, maximum uh, fidelity. <laughs> oh, so so if you were to, let's say this is a humongous success. You, be, you become this rich, famous person based off of Manos <laughs> Hands of Folk. That would be awesome. Um, what would, what would if you would ever go and uh, drum the depths again to do another recreation, what would the, the next awful film be if you ever decided to do this? Oh, okay. I, I actually have an answer for this. Um, yeah, this uh, the the next one I would be thinking about, and I'm thinking about this pretty hard, um, is Showgirls. Oh my, uh, let me just tell you, there's, there's a longtime <laughs> contributor to Astro Radio Z, Mr. Andrew Shearer, yeah. who I think just jumped out of his seat, <laughs> flew through the window, and is doing a dance out in the street. Awesome. Why, why showgirls? Um, because it fascinates me in its badness. Um, and and after doing, you know, the art thing for a while, I'm I'm learning that if I fixate on something 
there's a reason, even if I don't know what it is. And, and so if I'm, if I'm obsessed with something, that's probably a road I should run down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I have to admit, it took me several viewings to actually finish watching Showgirls because (laughs) again, (laughs) yeah, it's just that bad. Um, But, but I couldn't stop trying to go back and finishing it. Like, like it was like, no, I've got to watch, I've got to finish this. I've got to, this is so bad. And it's just, it's kind of monocy in the sense of you look at it and say, Every time they could have made a good decision here, they didn't. Right. They they went in the other direction um, as hard as they could, and it just yeah, it's so, so so yes, I'm a little obsessed with it, and I feel like the challenge of um, I, I have the the lady who choreographed the the big dance number in Manos is a good friend of mine, and I feel like she would enjoy the challenge of choreographing puppet showgirl numbers. <laughs> One, I think I think she would embrace that with both arms and both legs because um, I think she did such a great job for us in Manos. Then she, yeah. uh, that's uh, Kendra Hayes, and she's a, a local dancer and a good friend, and she she loved doing that because she had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I think I think she would embrace the showgirl routines, or recreating them. And uh, there's a, the simple fact that puppet nudity is legal, and also <laughs> the situations where human nudity is not. So so there are a lot of things we could do. I I was just about to ask you how much (laughs) puppet nudity would be involved in the showgirls. A lot. A lot. Would they be nude all the time? So probably. I mean, as much as we could manage and maybe extremely large nipples. Now I'm thinking puppet nipples would be important. Um, Please make this happen. Okay, sure. (laughs) Keep your eyes peeled for the Kickstarter next year. Um, Coming to you. (laughs) The funny thing is, is I have a fond memory of not seeing Showgirls back in college um, because Mm -hmm. that's when it came out. And... All of our boyfriends, um, they we we did a split night. Guys went and saw Showgirls, and girls went and saw Don Juan DeMarco. I think it was a Johnny Depp movie, and and we were all a little unfortunately grumpy about the fact that all our guys were going to watch this naked ladies movie. Um, and we all got home, and the guys were like, "That was so bad. I don't need to see another naked woman for like a really long time now." And we so so it was sort of a. A level of glee, I'll admit, that it was that it was so bad that it kind of put them off of staring at strippers for a while. It was um, not that they did that on the regular or anything. It was just, you know, boys versus girls, always right. fun. Um, right. Well, I think another interesting piece of that puzzle, too, of, of showgirls is kind of the backstory where half of those people, like, totally tossed that movie aside and were embarrassed of it. Right, right. Years. So, I mean, the same way Manos, where the, the backstory to that film kind of feeds into what was on screen. Showgirls is a per- another perfect example of, you know, I just watched, um, not to sidetrack this, um, Lost Souls, which was uh, the documentary about Richard Stanley getting kicked off of the Island of Dr. Moreau shoot. Oh, okay, okay. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the backstories of what's considered the worst movies ever made are far more interesting than the films themselves. Right, right, I, exactly. I, I think, you know, there's so many of those examples out there that Showgirls, it'd be perfect. I would love to yeah. see this. Cool, okay. I'm, I'm glad. Every every time someone says they think it's a good idea, it's it's inching closer to actually happening. I just this will just involve me watching the movie a bazillion times, which is its, its own special torture. So that right, I can write the right, script. right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you'll slowly uh, just go insane. Someday I'm gonna write a good play. <laughs> Something that involves watching a good movie twenty times. Oh, forget about that. What fun is that? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's just is a dream. Absolutely. <laughs> No fun in that. So, no. Miss Rachel Jackson. Yes. How can how can people find uh, Manos Hands of Felt? And um, are you currently selling DVDs of uh, the movie? Um, I am. Although right now the DVDs are um, the print on demand through Amazon's Create Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are still the DVDs. Yes. Um, I was selling 
um, DVD, the deluxe DVDs from the Kickstarter campaign for a while. Um, but I've actually run out of those. Hey, hey, which is is good news. Yeah. uh, Yes. No, no moldering boxes in the garage. Um, that's, that's the nightmare. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at, um, ordering a new box of those just so that I have the deluxe version to sell because, you know, some, some people like audio commentaries and some people really don't need them. So, but, but yeah, right now you can buy it through Amazon. Basically you could also, um, you can, and get it beamed straight to your favorite electronic device through Amazon Instant Video. Awesome. Yeah, you can either. So if you don't want the physical DVD, you can just get it digitally. And you can even, I think, just rent it digitally if you really want a low commitment here, which mm-hmm. I, I understand. Hey, it's based off a bad movie. You you might not enjoy it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so Amazon is kind of the gateway to it right now. Awesome. Hey, I had one more question that I totally forgot that I was I wanted to ask you was oh, sure. you've actually in the production itself and in the movie, you've integrated scenes and music from the movie itself. Now, did you have a problem with licensing it or is that all under public domain right now? Um, it's all under public domain. Thank goodness. Yes, that's that. Um, that could have been a problem if it it were under any sort of copyright, but it's not. So, so that was all perfectly fair and square. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Cause yeah, it, if we'd just done the making of without any of the scenes that, that was one of the things that was fun for me was that the challenge of, of working that the making of it with the real movie. Um, so that there was something there, you know, for people who are hardcore Manos fans and want to actually see scenes from the movie done with puppets. And then there's some people who are like, Oh, this is terrible, but Oh, the rest of it is kind of fun. Um, Oh, and I should add the, adding the songs from the original movie back into our show as musical numbers was one of the things I did that I'm proudest of Mm -hmm. Um, just because it involved like putting them in different places. And, and I feel like um, where I put uh, specifically forgetting you, I I think where forgetting you winds up in the movie makes so much sense. And Sans voice is beautiful. So I I love watching that scene. Well, it also vaudevilles it up a little bit. And yeah, it's, it's super fun. I liked how you did that. Yeah. Well, thank you. And and that all happened because I wanted to do the red right hand dance sequence. That that was <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the first musical number that found its way in, and and I knew that would be towards the end. And I had a playwriting professor give me the advice ages ago that anything you want to do in the movie or your your script, you kind of have have to introduce it in some way within the first ten minutes. Right. Or it comes so far out of left field that it it freaks people out, and so oh, it that takes being, people out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so that being the case, we needed other musical numbers, and and the songs from the movie itself were kind of yeah, they were, there. The songs in Manos are good. I like them. I think they are genuinely good songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're if there's anything that keeps Manos from being the worst movie of all time for me, it would be the music because I actually feel like the music is genuinely good. Did you, I know uh, probably like, Oh, I want to say four or five years ago, mm-hmm. they, they put out the soundtrack. Yes. Did you pick that up? Um, I did. Yes. But uh, and unfortunately they did that after the first production of Mano's hands of felt or, or else it would have been very useful. Like we used a lot of the sound effects from the movie as well sure. in ours. Um, and so I, I had to do a long session of editing the dialogue out of the movie um, and all that fun stuff. Right. But yes, I did pick up a copy of, uh, and it, it's when I have my iTunes on shuffle every once in a while, a mono song will pop up now, which is the Torgal walk. <laughs> yes. It's good to work too. Um, but yes, I have it now though. I think the soundtrack coming out was the side effect of the restoration project um, and a really positive one. Yeah, it's one of those soundtracks where there's there's multiple soundtracks of those movies that uh, I listen to on a continual basis. That's one. And my mm-hmm. other favorite one, and I know I've said this and listeners on my show are probably so sick of me talking <laughs> about this, but the Orgy of the Dead soundtrack is one of my ultimate all-time favorite things I've ever listened to in my life. Are you familiar with Orgy of the Dead? I'm not. I mean, I know I know the title, but I don't think I've ever seen it or, well, or heard the soundtrack. The whole orgy of the dead, what it is, is Latter-day Ed Wood movie. Yay. He direct it. But uh, all, essentially all it is is Criswell is, he is <laughs> overlord of the damned and comes out once a month in order to watch 
uh, topless women dance. And the entire, <laughs> the entire movie is nothing but topless women just like boringly shaking. And it, if there's ever a movie that made nudity <laughs> so boring that you wanted to fall asleep, it's Orgy right. of the Dead. But the music is this wonderful beatnik music. And um, the soundtrack literally... You put that on and you never have to watch the movie because oh, nice. all the dialogues on it and all the music's there and it's super fun and charming and it's just, it's perfect. And then you go to watch the movie. You're like, Oh my God, what, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Um, but yeah. So if you like, if you like the, the, the Manos uh, soundtrack, definitely check out the orgy of the dead soundtrack. You're going to love it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do that. And I, I might need to watch orgy of the dead straight up. If it's, Oh boy. Yeah. I would recommend it. Um, I would also recommend you having um, many beverages. Okay. Why, why, <laughs> why you watch it? Because it is genuinely an awful fucking movie. All right. Fair enough. Really terrible. <laughs> so, in, in closing, what's next? What do you What are you doing right now? And is there any way uh, people can uh, get a hold of you? Ooh. Um. What I'm doing right now, I'm I'm preparing for. Um, I, I produce a puppet slam uh, here in Seattle, which is basically just like a cabaret, um, but all of the acts have puppets in them in one way or another. And that's going to be in October. I produce that. It's called the Fussy Cloud Puppet Slam. Um, so I'm I'm starting to gather acts and tech people and you know all the boring producery stuff for that. Um, mm-hmm. The show's not boring. Just the producery, you know. And producing in general is boring. I hate producing. Yes. Yeah, I, I I hate it and I love it. Like I I must more love it than hate it because I come back to it over and over again. Um, well, I think out of necessity, when you want to yeah. do your own projects, you end up inevitably having to produce, and that's right. what ends up happening with me. Is like, oh man, I gotta schedule all this shit out. <laughs> oh man, I gotta. Figure. I hate yes. it. I think producing. I I love people that produce that love to do it because then yeah. I don't have to do it. Ah, well, there, yeah, I, I love most of it. There are certain tasks that I'm not like making the program, making the damn program. I, the I wish damn. I could do without the damn program. That damn um, program. Making a program is, it's the most tedious task, the most tedious, thankless task you can have, because <laughs> if you misspell someone's name, you get yelled at. If you do everything yeah. right. No one says thank you or anything. It's, yeah, I just, oh, lords. Uh, whoever came up with programs, I would go back in time and, you know, get rid of them. Because well, it's the same way with ending, yeah, ending credits to movies. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I, there's one buddy of mine that no matter what I do, he helps me with my movies, and I misspell his fucking name <laughs> every time. And every time he sees the movie, he's like, Derek, you did it again, you stupid <laughs> bastard. I'm like, just shoot me. They're end credits. Yeah. <laughs> well, just you, it'll just be your name and every misspelling of it, like for for you know a two minute music video. <laughs> it'll be the gag from now on. I'm yeah. never gonna spell his name right. I'm just exactly. gonna, it's gonna be the gag. Sorry, yeah. Lee. I it'll love you to death, <laughs> Lee. I'm never gonna spell your name right from now on. Yeah, sorry about that, Lee. It's sort of my fault too. Um, maybe I'll put his name in anything I make from now on. Just for let's fun. do that and never explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Puppet Slam. Puppet Slam. And then the other thing that, uh, that I'm gearing up for right now, is actually it's news, so so yay. Um, I was accepted to the National Puppet Slam. Nice. Um, yeah, which is part of the National Puppet Conference, which takes place every two years. Um, and so, so yeah, I just found that out last week. And so I'm, I have the act that I submitted for that. And I'm, I'm working on, you know, rehearsing it, making sure I have all the props and all that fun stuff. So, so yeah, I get to perform at the National Puppet Slam on August 11th. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wicked excited about that. So let's go ahead and doyle out the pimpage and let people know where they can find you and uh, your puppeteering company. Right. Um, okay. Well, Puppet Manos, you, you, or Manos the Hands of Felt, our website is puppetmanos.com because I wanted to keep that fairly simple. Um, but if you want to see more puppety stuff that I'm doing, um, my company is called Vox Fabuli Puppets. Um, and we have 
a website and a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to um, and a Facebook page and all of that fun, other fun stuff. In fact, I, for Vox Fabuli, I have everything but a Twitter account. And that's only because I already had a Puppet Manos Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I'm actually, between everything I do, I have four different Twitter accounts I manage <sighs> and I was, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I was just that like. That sounds like the worst thing ever. Yeah, I, and I don't do them daily or anything like that. The, the Puppet Manos Twitter feed happened because we were doing the Kickstarter. And sure. I'm like, sure. I, I need every possible avenue to talk to people about this. So, so, um, but I, I, I come back on it once in a while because there, there's some fun people on the Puppet Manos Twitter feed that I, I like talking to. So, so that's always a good time. They're, they're really pleasant. I, I have to say, I know that Twitter can be a Wild West, horrible, you know, um, bottomless sarlacc pit of terribleness. But, <laughs> that is a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but that has not been my my um, experience. Uh, maybe just because we're small enough at this point that, that sure. only people who like it have have bothered following me. Yeah, the Twitter and me, I just, I don't get it. I've never get, got it. Mm. Maybe it's just I'm, a, I'm an old man sitting on my porch <laughs> with, with with my beer and my gun telling kids to shoe off, get off yeah. my lawn. Yeah. I, just, I just don't get it. It's, it seems exhausting to me. I have one... Uh, Twitter feed for Astro Radio Z. I never use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I seldom use several of my feet, like only when when gearing up for an actual event. And and in that case, but yeah, I I think you just have to be online way more than I am. Like I notice when I'm traveling, I use my personal Twitter feed sure. way more often. It's like a good place for immediacy. Um, but yeah, day to day, I. And, and again, I just get some days I'm just tired. I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Or you're, you're actually living your life. Yes. <laughs> on, on, on Twitter. Oh, on oh Twitter. you mean I'm living my life not on Twitter. Yes. Yes. yes that too. <laughs> <laughs> Real life. What do you, or, or as the kids say, IRL. Right, right. <laughs> IRL, I put my phone down and take oh, a nap or go for I, a walk or something. Oh, I hate this new world. I hate it. <laughs> I don't get it. He's a podcaster. Uh, I don't. I think, yeah. So, so podcasting works for you clearly. I I like some things about it and other things about it. I kind of just shrug at. So that's it's. There's so many new things that come out all the time that I do. I do get tired of keeping up with those. Like I don't Snapchat. I haven't wandered into Snapchat at all. Oh my God. I've had people try and drag me in the Snapchat. Yeah. And I don't get it. I immediately turned it on and I expected to see an onslaught of people sending me boob pics. And, <laughs> right. and, and, and I, I expected <laughs> depravity like immediately. And it, no, yeah. it's just people taking more fucking selfies. And I'm just like, you know what? Oh, okay. No, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, get, I see that on Facebook. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm good with this. Whatever. Yeah. So maybe that's my my old woman line in the sand is no no Snapchat why I have I have your selfies on Facebook why do I need a, an entire separate platform for it <laughs> no wait, this is what you need to do this is the next big thing do a Snapchat just with the puppet Manos character <laughs> I could do that there I could you go that. yeah when I took him I took him to Emerald City Comic Con uh, in March and I took a picture of him riding riding the bus like with his little hand on the pole and that that got more. <laughs> likes than anything else I'd done recently. So you're right. Maybe maybe I just go around town with the master puppet and take pictures and call it good. <laughs> That's my I, life. That's my life now. I'm a puppet photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, people <laughs> just going to see uh, Torgo in very compromising positions and yes. on Snapchat endlessly. Yes. And, and puppet monos staring at beautiful women. Oh boy. This could get dangerous. <laughs> and I'll tell them it was your ideas. Oh, please, please. Yes, yes. <laughs> Copyright 2015, Derek. Yeah. Put it right there at the bottom. I never say <laughs> one of those. <laughs> Hashtag Derek, Derek Carey. Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, well, thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I, I love talking about all this stuff. It, it still makes me really happy to, to talk monos. Well, as somebody that grew up, like my brother and I, man, watch MSC3K Monos. Right. That was like that was like life changing. As stupid as that sounds, there were a few things developing up it to be a cult movie fan that that meant more than like let's say Joe Bob Briggs driving theater is one mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, MST3K in Monos Hands of Fate. Yeah, that is definitely another one. Absolutely. 
No, I, I blame it, blame um, a combination of MST3K and the Muppet Show for creating my sense of humor. Um, oh. and I, I I think that's pretty accurate. Just the 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 onslaught of pop culture references and of course puppets. Puppets. Um, puppets and bad puns. <laughs> Lots of those. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get enough of them. Well, thank oh, yeah. Rachel. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, when you finally get that show, girls. Underway, come back on, please. Absolutely, I promise. (laughs) All right, folks, thanks for listening to Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm Derek Carey. You can find me on, as I just got done trashing, you can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, on Tumblr, you can find uh, Astro Radio Z. Well, you found it, you're listening to it, so obviously you know where to get it, but you can also listen to the other podcasts that are on this feed, uh, Film Jerks and the Stooge Cast. Send them out to your friends. Tell everybody about it. If you want to contact me and talk to me directly, uh, you can contact me via my email, astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you get super bored, you've watched Manos Hands of Fate 1,500 times, you, you're just the, the DVD's worn out, you need to watch something new, go and watch some of my stupid movies. You can go watch Swamp Head. You can find that on Amazon and through Wild Eye Entertainment. Screaming in High Heels, documentary about Linnea Quigley, uh, Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer. That is out there on Amazon as well. Or you can go to Vimeo.com and rent our new anthology movie, Hole in the Wall, Vimeo.com slash Gory Hole. So from me and Ms. Rachel Jackson, thanks for listening. Have a good night.